Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Modern Classroom Project podcast. My name is Tony Rostian and she, her pronouns, a program manager at Modern Classroom, and I am joined by a mentee currently enrolled in the virtual mentorship program, Eric Gustafsson, all the way from Sweden. Welcome, Eric. Yay, Ikea, get a tune by me. Oh, yes, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be on the show. (laughs) Well, it's so exciting to have a mentee from Sweden and even more exciting that you said yes to being a guest in our podcast. Um, And we just talked about this briefly, but I recently went to Finland and I should have stopped at Sweden since they're so close to each other. Um, But next time we'll do that. Um, But so first of all, how are you feeling today, tonight, really? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm tired, though. It's getting a bit late for me, of course. But uh, December is a tough month for all uh, all teachers, I guess, all around the world. I'm currently wrapping up three courses. So there's a lot of students coming to me, too. They're realizing now that they have to actually produce something for me to assess and grade. But uh, yeah, I'm tired and happy. That's uh, that's what this job does to you, right? And I I love it. Yes, yes, yes. I, yeah, all of us are so tired. We're so ready for 2021 to be over and done with. <laughs> um, all right. Well, tell us more about who you are and how you started your modern classroom journey. Yeah, sure. I am I'm soon to be 40 years old and I have been teaching for uh, 10 years, minus two, two uh, times uh, parent to leave. I have two daughters and we live in Stockholm and I came across um, MCP almost a year ago during our last uh, the winter break uh, last year and i i don't remember exactly what it was i think it was i i know it was an episode of the the cult of pedagogy podcast and and um, yeah and then i did the free course and i i was hooked <laughs> I love that. It's so great to hear that, you know, Jennifer Gonzalez, Cult of Pedagogy, has a really far reach and she's just such a phenomenal resource. So I'm really glad to hear that that's how you um, heard of us. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, with everything that's happening in the world with the pandemic, quarantine, et cetera, right? Um, how are you making sure that you're taking care of yourself? Uh, well, the, the, the short answer is that I don't really. And <laughs> one of my colleagues, <laughs> one of my colleagues, uh, um, he said once that the key to survive in, in like the teaching business is to have a hobby. <laughs> I know he's into, into, uh, paddle. I don't know if that's a thing over there. Um, <laughs> it's, what, it's, what some is that? Kind of, it's some kind of tennis. I don't, I don't really know, but oh, it's like, um, okay. everyone in, in Sweden is, that's like the big, big thing during the, pandemic and things like that but uh, yeah you have to have a hobby and um the reason i think is that we never we're never really done as teachers i think i i really leave from work with a sense of closure and like yeah now i'm done for the day there's always more to be done and more to be um like some extra thing you can do but i I try to get my hours of sleep and I, I try to have much, much fun at work, of course. And when I get home, I try to be present here. Um, and uh, so I don't know what I do to be stay healthy. I did rucking for a, for a while. Do you know, do you know about that? 
<laughs> it sounds it sounds familiar. What yeah, is it? it? It's well, it's it sounds I don't know strange or fancy, but it's like you put a put a bunch of uh, water bo- bottles in your backpack and then go for a hike in in the in the forest. But once the temperature dropped below below freezing, I kind of lost my my stride in that. But uh, I, I I don't feel overworked. I seldom feel overworked though, and, and as long as I don't feel like I'm. St- I don't know, stale at work, and and um, I feel that I'm bored at work. I I, I think I can do a, a good amount of work without feeling unhealthy. And I think the key to to that is, of course, to to just listen to your body and perhaps try to look at your. This is what I do. I, I look at my my behavior in different situations, and and of course, in my case, I, I look at my kids and my my wife and how I interact and treat them. And if I get upset for for when the girls do some minor things, uh, or when I start to treating my wife as just some some other grown up person that lives with me, then I know I have to calm down things at work and take a step back and, and things like that. But um, I don't know how healthy I am, but I I I, I try try my best. I mean, I think self-awareness is key, right? So like if you know that you're hitting a spot where it's a little bit more emotional or a little bit more negative, it's really good to be able to catch yourself. Um, and especially with this profession, right? Like it's super stressful. Um, it demands so much of our time and energy. So it's really good to hear that like, hey, finding a hobby, which I am guilty of, I have no hobbies except for reading and writing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess those are cool. Those are cool in my opinion, right? But it's sometimes when, you know, I get with people and they, I want to talk about books. Like I need to be able to talk about other things besides books and education. So, and getting sleep is really important. That's something that I have yet to master um, just because of everything that's happening. Right. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of you saying like, you try to be present, you try to catch yourself. That's all really key, you know, things for us to continue being healthy and just being aware. Um, So thank you for sharing that, Eric. Um, And so again, right. Like, We've said already, you live in Sweden, which again is so fascinating to me. Um, can you tell us more about the education system there? Uh, when do you start school? When does it end? I'm curious to see differences and similarities between the U.S. and Sweden. Um, and I know our listeners are also pretty curious about it. Yeah, I teach at the at the level we call gymnasium in Sweden, which would be the grades 10 to, to 12. And I think, in short, that gymnasium is is the level between the compulsory school and the university. It's not mandatory, but but most kids, um, I think, feel obliged to go. What else is there to do, right? When you're 16, and <laughs> and I think, in in my understanding, I'm I'm not sure. You have to help me with this, but I think that um, it's more like the American colleges than. Than, than high schools, Could the kids they must apply and based on their grades and and they can choose between different schools and different programs. Does that sound correct to you? Yeah, they have. Um, so we we do do that for colleges, right, where they have to apply. But there are specific schools in the U.S. as well where uh, students have to apply to get in different types of schools. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, I, yeah, I don't know. The, the Swedish, all, all the Swedes, they they push this on the on Americans, of course. But like, um, school is free in in Sweden with food and books and field trips and things like that. I I I'm, I guess it's mostly the same in 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 the U.S. and we don't have tuitions or things like that. And even at the university, I don't you have to pay for for 
I think you have to pay for books at university, but I think that's it. And but I think that the 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 major differences I think is might be in school culture. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Swedish students are at the top of the, you know, the, the PISA rankings. I think we're at the top of, of the students who think that school is not important. And so, so I think that's, that does something to, to, to like the Swedish school system. Huh. That, that's, that's definitely interesting. Um, I've heard of PISA just based off of like, in like schools, abroad or schools overseas i don't know if the u.s does pisa or not i'm not okay sure. okay i think it's an like an international i yeah i think it's some some countries and in sweden it's very big because we have we we changed the school system i think must be 30 years now ago and since then we have dropped in the rankings and the different uh, polit- political parties—they try to blame each other, and it's a—it's uh, a big mess. But um, yeah, so that's why it's uh, like at the top of mind f- for me when I try to compare the Swedish school system with American school system. I, I know that there are there must be a lot of differences, but um, I don't know if I'm 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 the the one to to explain. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean it's it's. Exactly right. Like if you don't know anything really about the U.S. education system, it's kind of like, oh, what are the similarities and the differences, right? Hmm. Yeah, it's um, like in the Breakfast Club, right? It's that's all American school, <laughs> <laughs> the, the pop culture version of, of American school. That's what I know. Oh, the pop culture! Yeah. How exciting! <laughs> um, so, Eric, when do you start school? Is it all year? Because you know, in in the U.S., we start in August and we end in May, right? Or like we start in September. And end in June. Um, what about your school? Uh, we start, um, I think, mid August would be um, uh, like a f- fair estimate, and then we have one break at uh, in the fall, um, and then we have like the winter break. I think it's three weeks, and then we have two uh, shorter breaks during the spring, and then we end around um, June tenth, perhaps. Okay, so it's pretty it's pretty similar to the U.S., which is which I think is really interesting. Um, okay, cool, cool. Thank you for kind of walking us through the Swedish education system, however that may look like, right? Um, okay, great. So we'll shift some gears about the virtual mentorship program. You started the VMP in September, so that means you started school mid-August and then you jumped into our VMP in September, um, and so. I'm, like our team, right? It's like Debbie, you know, Debbie, <laughs> love Debbie. Um, Debbie and I and the, the whole program team has just been really impressed and appreciative of your engagement in our Slack channel. So you like created a video that shared your planning process and you're just really enthusiastic about our model. So how are you managing the work-life balance? How are you implementing this model, getting to know this model, but also making sure that you're not getting too overwhelmed with everything that's happening, especially that this is the beginning of the school year yeah well i have my my i i've got two younger kids as i mentioned and and so i like to arrive late and leave early that's my that's my superpower but but um then of course i have to work at evenings and weekends and 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 i don't really find that uh i don't really have a problem with that but but that makes me or my situation very i i feel that i can can fit in the the mentorship program at at different times 
and the school that I currently work on is very flexible with with us teachers coming and going uh, when we're not uh, teaching. And I think that's a very good thing and it works very well for me. Uh, of course you have to work at, at, at other times, but then when I have like gradings to do or I have planning to do in the evenings or in the weekends, I can always change my perspective. And I say, well, okay, I'll do an hour of, of MCP, uh, the, the mentorship program. And that makes my like mind go clear. Uh, and, and it's, I can, when I, when I shift perspective, I feel I can work more and I, I don't feel it. I, I get energized by it. I don't get, get drained by it. So, so, and, and yeah, I like to have like a break. I, I, I find that the virtual mentorship program was like a break from the other must do's <laughs> to use <laughs> to use the vocabulary, uh, but you have to do a lot of things when you're a teacher. You have to do this and you have to do this, and so this was like a fun break for me. And uh, so even when I went to the university, this is just me. When I went to the university, you could always tell if I had a big exam coming up because the house was very clean. <laughs> so. When you have so, something you must do, you try to find ways to do all, all like many other things. <laughs> so, and as long as I, I don't do the same thing all the time, I think I think I don't get bored, and then I don't get like overworked. And of course, the 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 program was was very easy to fit in because the structure of the program was like I had seven minutes, I can see uh, like a video or I can I had 40 minutes and I can uh, read through some of the um, the examples on on the on the program so that was my hobby <laughs> speaking of speaking of you have to have hobby but this was like a very uh, hobby in, in line with my work and slack was just fun because I'm not I'm not on Facebook anymore so so just to be connected with the MCP teachers around the world was just like a wonderful experience and and whenever I did something i i since it was like the like a course for or we had a slack channel for us as newbies i i put up all the trash <laughs> i could there and and some of it got um yeah thankfully you liked some of it so <laughs> no we've just been so excited um we were actually talking about like backwards planning right so because that was a huge um, step that teachers had to do, especially when they shift from their traditional set of teaching, traditional style of teaching to modern classroom. It's a lot of front loading, right? So like teachers really have to backwards plan, um, before they could implement the model because they wanted, we wanted our teachers to really see how they're going to do the self pacing, the blended learning, the mastery based grading, right? And so prior to that, it's a lot of thinking. And I think sometimes teachers get scared of the thinking or at least not scared, but they just don't have the time and the energy to like really do a good amount of like thinking because, you know, life happens. There's like you said, there's a lot of must do's for us. <laughs> and so to add on one more thing on our plate, it's kind of daunting. Um, and so I guess I, you know, and you said some really cool stuff, right? Like I, I definitely need to get off Facebook. I'm on Facebook all the time. <laughs> so I need to take, I need to take a break. Um, but it's really nice to hear that, you know, you use Slack as a way to build community and to reach out and to network. And again, it's really great that you're sharing resources with teachers, right? Like you're a new um, mentee, brand new mentee. So you're sharing your thought process. And we ju just really appreciate, like, appreciate you being brave and sharing that with teachers um, because it's a lot more useful than you think, right? Um, and so when we got your video about 
backwards planning or just how you plan your lessons, right? You had some really good pointers. So I'm wondering, did Modern Classroom change the way that you were thinking before or did it just enhance it? Like, were you thinking that way before Modern Classroom? I don't I don't really know. I think I, te- I, I teach the same way as I did, Verha- did before. Uh, perhaps I do more actual teaching now, but but like um, not more content, but more learning strategies and more thinking about how the students can can present their thoughts in a clear manner. And and and, and I really did find the planning easier when you had this model to go from, because because when you when you start with a like a how do you say a, a blank slate or a white paper. I'm going to teach about I don't know the industrial revolution during the 1800s or the, I have I can I can say anything like there's so much things you you can tell the students and there are so many perspectives you can you can like put focus on but with this model it's well when you have to start with what are the students to do and what is the easiest or fastest or more most effective way to get them from not knowing anything or not knowing a little bit to this that I that I want them to know. And so I think I really do think that the model helped the planning. Because I've always I've I've been teaching for 10 years and every year I think, well, good, next year I'm gonna teach this <laughs> this this thing exactly the same because this this year it worked out perfectly, but then the next year comes and I find nope, maybe I can do, maybe I can change things here and do things there or do something completely different. But so I always have that that in my in my workload to to redo a whole whole set of, of of lessons to plan. So to me it was it was only easier when you had this model to go from because. If you start with the end in mind, with with a backward planning thing, I don't know. In my head, everything like aligned and clicked. And where do I where where do I put this? And is this uh, this might be too hard? Uh, and in 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 my previous planning, I would just throw it out or or leave it somewhere where I didn't find it in the right time. But with this model, it was like okay, I can put it like an aspire to do thing and. Whenever a student were moving a bit too fast to the content, I could just give them that. So, so I think the planning was each must much easier because because you focus on what the student should do and and how to help them, not just the content and not not just the um, what I should do in the classroom. Yeah, I mean, you, you dropped some gems here, Eric. I, I love that you said it was actually easier to plan with this model because I feel like there is a focus now, right? Like mm. you have to see everything to be able to see the big picture. You have the big picture, but now you're going to have, you're, you have to chunk them so that students can master whatever concept or skill or topic you're covering. Um, and I think, again, the beauty of this model is that you know, I taught English and I had so many things I wanted my students to do. And, you know, I'm like, oh, this story is really good. And this story and like they have to read everything. <laughs> um, and the thing is with this model, it's like you can still do all of that cool stuff. Right. But now you can label or classify your, your lessons. Right. Like you said, 
here are all the must-do assignments, like the basic information. And then if you're ahead of pace, you have all of your aspire to do tasks. So all the cool things that I like wanted to implement and wanted everyone to do, I could still have that option for students, right? Like they could still do those things with the aspire to do and the should do, which I think is really impactful. So as a teacher, I get to really decide what's really important. And then like, how can I chunk this and present it to students so that they understand what they need to understand to continue moving forward? Um, And I feel like you had a really great way of describing how you did it for your students and how you're planning, you know, with the end in mind, right? Like moving from like students not knowing anything or knowing just a little bit to like mastering the concepts and the skills and the topics that you want them to, to master, which again, is like ultimately what we want, right? And we really want our students to take account their learning as well, right? Like this is their learning space. So it's not just about us as teachers, but it's also about them making sure that they are able to access the information and not get too overwhelmed by it. And so I I appreciate, thank you for sharing that. Um, And so I I think we kind of talked about this a little bit too, right? With like MCP changing your teaching and learning perspective. Has it changed? You said like, no, it's, this is how I've always done it, but I think it's just, I have a clear vision, right? Of like what I want to teach with this model. Um, Was there anything else um, that MCP impacted with the learning and teaching style or your perspective? Uh, uh, my subjects are are history and and philosophy. Uh, so I guess that would be social science um, in in the American school system. But but we, me and my colleagues, my 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 who teach the same thing, we love to talk. <laughs> the best thing we can do is just have forty minutes. The students has to listen to me. I I'm going to talk about the the French Revolution, and so with this, and it, I I don't know. I think that students, some of them or most of them, like those kind of lessons or experiences in the classroom. But I don't think that's the most efficient way or the most uh, helpful way to to teach. And of course, teaching is is so much more than um, having the kids learn uh, whatever it's in the book or whatever we should teach them. It's it's more much about acting in the classroom and it's connecting with teachers and connecting with with the other students and and so if we or when i did my long lecture <laughs> lessons i i did feel that students missed out so why are they in the classroom are they in the classroom to listen to me well not really right they can listen to a they can see a documentary uh, which is much better uh, with visuals and uh, music and everything than just me talking but they're in the classroom cuz they should communicate with each other and they should change their way of thinking and i think that when they talk in small groups or when they talk to me one on one and i think that's when that's where the the, the actual learning happens. So when I when I had to in this model, I had to like take the content and really uh, focus on the what they should learn, like in a five minute or perhaps an eight minute video. Um, it allowed me to to open up to more different learning styles, or I don't know how to put it, but different kinds of interaction with with the content. So I think that might be like how it changed, how, how 
my teaching has changed. I don't know if I, I answered your question, but <laughs> <laughs> no, you did, Eric. That was that was no, that was great. <laughs> um, and you know, I have to agree with you, right? As teachers, social science, social studies, social sciences, um, but also English, right? Humanities in general, we'd love to talk. Like as teachers, really, we love hearing ourselves talk. And so, you know, going from having live lectures where you hear yourself talk to just an instructional video where it's like five to seven minutes, uh, you have to be really intentional, right? Um, and sometimes our teachers think like, oh, but then how's our personality going to shine through? And it's like, well, you can still add your personality in the video, <laughs> you know, like you could still make jokes. You could still say like an anecdote or short story or something. Um, and so I, I always encourage teachers to really just embrace the instructional videos. That is kind of like your live lecture, but really, really short and focused. And I like also what you said about collaboration. I am a huge, I'm a firm believer that for learning to happen, students, have to have that conversation, right? So they have to have that discourse. They have to be able to challenge their way of thinking, like you said, right? Pushing their way of thinking, even, you know, with their peers or with you one-on-one. Um, and, and so I always tell my students, you know, if you can teach a peer how to do a specific thing, that means that you have mastered that concept, right? Um, and so collaboration is a huge piece of this model. And I think we have to be really intentional with when, with like, where we put those collaborative tasks in, right? Just so that to make sure students are still talking, students are talking about what they're learning. Um, and then also another thing that I would get my students to do is to connect it or align it with what's happening outside of the classroom. Um, and so that's a good way for them to start thinking about like what they're learning in school is actually helpful <laughs> outside of school. <laughs> yeah, that's... that's uh... And that is very, very. Um, I think that's an, a disservice we are we're giving our our students or our young people that in school you learn and outside of school you do not learn and and you have to have to break the barrier between those two two worlds, right? To to have them talk about school when they're home and talk about home when they're in school. That's like one one uh, very big um, thing you know, we can take away. Yeah. And I think this model allows it, right? Because they can take home their instructional videos and watch it whenever. It doesn't have to be in the classroom anymore. Um, and so I guess this, I mean, this isn't in our show notes and I hope you don't mind, Eric, um, but are you the only one in your school implementing the modern classroom so far? Are you having conversations about modern classroom? How does that look like? I am the only one in school and... And the word has begun to spread, but uh, not not always in in a positive way. But it's <laughs> the students. Some students complain that there are so many many uh, assignments, uh, <laughs> and so so. Uh, and I get to explain the model to my to my colleagues and to the the special education teacher. They can also uh, if they if they if they know how I use the model, they can they can. Um, understand and help help the students but yeah i think that i think i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna have like a workshop with my colleagues after the uh, winter break because because some other teachers want to learn and and see what's it all about 
Oh, that's so exciting, Eric. <laughs> yeah, and, and scary, of course. Yes, yes. I, I believe in you. You're going to crush it. Um, Thank you. And yeah, and if you need any kind of support, right, like Modern Classroom is here to support you once you start having those conversations or just presentations or sessions or whatever it may be with your colleagues. So um, we're here for you. But that's really exciting that you get to present and how what you're doing in your class. Um, so, and just like you said, right, like there are students who are going to complain. There are always complainers and we can't, uh, we can't please everyone. And that's okay as well. It's just, it's a new thing. And so they're trying to get used to this new thing. And, um, and so sometimes our teachers get kind of disheartened, right? When they hear students say really negative things about a new thing they're trying. And I would just say like, stick with it, right? It, it, it's trust the model, trust the process. It'll all work out the way it's supposed to work out. And if there are complaints or concerns from, from students, I always say like, listen to those students. They may have some good points or they may just be complaining. <laughs> yeah. But it's always good to just give them a voice, right? And hear them out say, you know, kind of have those conversations. And that's also okay. Like we definitely don't want to steer away from those conversations with our students. Um, and so, so you're in the mentorship program right now. Are you able to learn from the mentorship program and then implement right away in your classroom? And how long does that take you typically for you to like wrap your head around it and then start implementing it in your classroom? Um, I, one thing I, I really did like about the, the the mentorship program was that I I could use so many things like right away, like the next lesson I could I could use this uh, tip or strategy or or thing like that. And most of the things I learned, um, like instantly made me feel like a better teacher. And so it was. There are so many, so and in the program there are so many uh, links to to different different like uh, other teachers share their their um, ideas and things like that and and um, I would say at least half of it I could see how I could use it and I could like try it out. Maybe sometimes it failed. <laughs> sometimes I, I I didn't hadn't thought it through and sometimes it just didn't work for me or the, uh, those kind of students but uh, but uh, yeah and many things I, I didn't really get until I tried them out in the classroom right I do feel that this model is like a, a tool from teachers to teachers it feels really genuine it's not some professor at the university who's who knows better and <laughs> try to try to talk with teachers because th this really feels genuine and it's like from teachers um, from one classroom to another even so so um, things I learned was was quite easy to implement I think and yeah I know I I think I'm quite flexible and in, in in my teaching and when I whenever I get a get a, an idea I try to use it right away uh, and and some of it I or most of it I throw away but some of it I I, I keep and, and, and like stick to. Yeah, no, that's, I feel like now as an organization, you know, like, Hey, we're doing what we said we would, right. This is a tool for teachers from teachers. And like you said, it, there's just that authentic like feel to it. Right. Um, I really like that you just named the fact that like, this is not coming from someone who's not in the classroom. Like everything that modern classroom is providing you is done by a teacher, a current teacher in the classroom. Um, and I think that 
our listeners and our mentees and implementers and everyone in our modern classroom family really, really appreciate those resources, right? Um, and I also really like the fact that you said that, like, you know, I used some of these resources and I failed. <laughs> and that's okay, right? Like, that's showing showing our students that, you know, the teachers can fail too and embracing mistakes and really just acknowledging failures and learning from it is an important step in our journey, right? This mm. life that we call, we're always going to fail at something, but we want to be able to embrace that, learn from it and then keep going. Yeah. Um, I think I, I read in, in one book, uh, um, when, like when you're trying something new, Tell the students that this is a new thing. Uh, we should try it, and maybe it works, and maybe it doesn't. So, so if you if you let them in on 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 the process, and this is something that we do together, and as like the teacher and the students, we tried this. Uh, does it work? Does doesn't it work? Like I think one thing that that it's in in the uh, like a recommendation from uh, some part of the model is that you should name like a. a lesson star or something like that and i i think that this is i don't know if it if if it's a school uh or mentality issue but i i did that and like uh, it was one of the uh one teacher or one student who who really wrote a very good very well written text and I, I read that you can put like a lesson all star or something like that and i named her in front of the class, and I said, "Well, this was one of the best texts I, I've seen from you, and you, good job." And the whole classroom was like <laughs> very silent, and she was very upset, almost like uh, that I pointed her out. And some of the other students said, "Well, I, didn't I? My text <laughs> wasn't that good." So, so I don't know if that wasn't like an American Swedish thing, or if it was just me uh, saying that in in the wrong way, or if it was just her. But uh, I don't know. You can just okay, it didn't work out. Let's let's. I won't use that again. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, maybe that is a culture shift, right? Like I don't know, but that's a really funny story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, don't do that. Do, don't do that if you come to Swedish uh, classroom. Oh man, that that's that's really funny. I know. Um, it may be now. I, you got me thinking, and and that's sure. But that's a really interesting story because I guess it's it kind of really depends on the students too, right? Like maybe they do like that kind of celebrations and recognition or maybe they just don't like don't call me out mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i don't want that attention yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um well that's something to keep in mind as well eric thank you <laughs> for that um and so let's um you made a comment um on slack you posted on slack about how um i believe like your daughter had some like your daughter ended up having to go to school with you right and <laughs> and with the model you were still able to just continue going on about your day even though your daughter was there can you tell us more about that experience oh yeah she's in 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 preschool and they had like a planning day at her um her school so she had to to uh, either me i had to stay at home or she had to come to me at work and and i had like two three lessons i guess and each lesson is 90 minutes so it's like how is she gonna handle this and she's a bit shy and she doesn't like the attention and things like that so i was 
a bit hesitant or a bit I don't know. Uh, I was a bit nervous, anyways. So and but when we when when she she joined me, uh, since everything was planned, I didn't have to stand in front of the classroom and talking. So I could always be around her. I it wasn't like like uh, I was playing with her the, all the time, but I could could like give her the attention she needed. At the same time, the stu- my students they had no issues with it. They n- knew what to do and they learned what they should. And they even like felt that she was like <laughs> some some exciting thing in the room. And they and she was happy, and my my students were happy. And so so now now I've done that. Er- earlier with my older uh, daughter and and then i had to like do a whole another lesson a different planning of the lesson and and but with this model in in my case anyways it was just like uh, things moved along and that's i don't know i think that's one of the I, I don't expect everyone to to bring their their kids to 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 their job, but anyways, for me that was like an eye opener. Like even if I'm not at my best, or even if the students even if they have a bad day with this model, I think they can just they could just move along and with interruptions. I don't know fire drills at school. I don't know <laughs> any interruptions. I think with this model is just. Um, it smooths all those things over, and especially nowadays during the 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 pandemic years, um, some students are home for two weeks because they have a sister who's sick, or or I think we're gonna see more of that in the future. Not not hopefully not more pandemics and things like that, but more like um, flexible classes and and school system. And I think this model is um, just in line with that. And I think that's one thing that we forget sometimes too, right? We're sometimes so focused on students, you know, not being their best or students being their best. Mm-hmm. And then we don't focus on teachers. I mean, this is a pandemic. So teachers are also all over the place. And sometimes life happens and there are interruptions. So I I like the fact that you pointed out, Eric, that like I had an interruption. Like my daughter had to come to work with me, but I was able to provide her attention and also my students. And it just kind of all aligned together. Like it was, it was beautiful, right? Like there were no interruptions. The students were able to see a part of you that they don't see very often. Um, And then your, your daughter was also able to just be shy if she needed to be shy or just, you know, follow you around if she needed to follow you around and it was no interruption. So I think that's also a really good perspective that I didn't think about. I mean, I, I'm always like, oh, teachers are tired. Teachers are tired. But then this model also, allows for teachers to be tired and for life to happen to teachers and the lessons still continue. Yeah. So, and of course also the, the students, cause they are not, they're more, my, my, my students are 16, 18, 19. And in that time, a lot of things happens. Right. And so when, whenever they come to school on Monday morning and I say, well, today you have to learn history, uh, but <laughs> a lot of things happen in, in, in our students' lives. And I think that with this model, you can catch up during Sunday or whenever you are, you're um, up for reading history and you can, oh, well, this week I have to focus more on the math because I have a big exam. Okay, do that because you know what to do in my class and and um, it's your own 
like you are the driver here you the you have to be able to plan and structure your life because there's a lot of things happening yeah and that's again another perk for this model too is that students are being like the students are able to toy around with their soft skills right time management um organization skills looking at priorities so um i kudos to you i will never work with high school children um (laughs) they're just big babies i like the middle babies (laughs) um and i feel like our you know our students their lives get a little bit more complicated as they get older um and this model gives them grace to continue doing whatever they they think is best for them. And then of course they're still learning wherever, wherever they're learning, however they're learning, it's still, everything is accessible to them. So, um, all right. So just to be respectful of your time, Eric, I know it's like bedtime for you. Um, (laughs) I hope your kids are sleeping at this point now. Yes, Um, they are. I hope. (laughs) Okay, good, good. (laughs) I was really banking on your daughter coming in and saying hi, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, but what is one piece of advice that you would have for teachers who are hesitant about this model? I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm the best person to, to answer this because I really felt that the model was made for me. It fit my thinking and it fit my my way of understanding how teaching and learning learning works. But and I would never. I, I don't think it's a good way to try to force any model or teaching strategy to teachers who are hesitant because we're all very different and like the freedom or autonomy of teachers is one thing that I'm like one of the sacred things I think that we have to have for our what do you call it the our <laughs> our profession and and I I I really do not blame my my colleagues who are who are a bit old fashioned cuz I've been teaching for only for 10 years and it's we've changed direction so many times to like oh rubrics you have to have rubrics it's the best thing in the world and then next year it's no grit is you have to do grit and it's the only way to no no no, it's retrieval practice or 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 value policies and it's like um our there is always a lot of new things for teachers to to learn and to to adapt to so so um I don't think that you should force this model uh, on anyone. If, if someone would ask me for help, though, if like they're hesitant, they have seen the model and they think that that um, could work for them, but they're a bit, um, they don't know how to start or where to start. I think I would start by having them do, like only start with the mastery checks and strategies for revision. And perhaps work with some other teacher who's teaching the same thing and just do like a couple of of lessons using the the mcp and and start small but um i think that once you have the mastery checks and the strategies for revisions in your uh, just like your teaching vocabulary i think that the rest will follow then you have to perhaps do some some videos or some some ways to help students who are absent or who are help students who are falling behind. But I think that to start with the end, also with the model, I think that would be a, a good way to start. If if you don't have the energy to start with the whole whole model right away, because I know that videos are like what people see when when I when I try to explain the model. Uh, to my colleagues, they say, "Oh, so you, oh, you flip the lessons? That's it." And I say, "Well, yes, that's <laughs> that's one part of it, but it's it's not the so." But I think that if you start 
to understand what mastery checks are and that you have to have strategies for revision and, and things like that. I think that's that's like uh, the best way to start to to use the, use the model. Eric, I am just at awe of everything you just said because I completely agree with you. Mastery checks, backwards planning is really important for you to be able to have that big picture in mind and to also complete the summative assessment that you want your students to do so that they're that you know as a teacher what you're expecting for te- for students to do. I also really like the fact that you named that education, we have so many new initiatives, new things coming up all the time, um, new buzzwords, new policies, new everything, right? And like, there's not a lot of um, consistency in education. We always want to try something new. So I really appreciate you naming that and and seeing how, you know, teachers, veteran teachers who've been in education for a while could be a little hesitant with trying something new. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, and so, Eric, I'm I'm going to come visit you in Sweden. I hope you're okay with that. I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> Please do. But we're going, yes, we're going to make it happen. Um, and, and so with that, just I just want to say again, thank you so much for spending time with us, for saying yes to the podcast and, um, and just sharing your experiences and and how MCP has changed um, or enhanced your practice. So again, we really appreciate you being here with us and we're excited to see where it goes from here. Eric, thank you. Thank you. It was great fun and nice talking to you. (laughs) So we'll see everyone next week and thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast.